Genghis Khan, one time when he broke into a city and went to the emperor there with his whole gang ready to take over the whole place, he said, I don't know what it is that you did to so offend your god that he would send me here as retribution, but you should beg for forgiveness. And I was like, That's, that thought came to me when I realized I was going to be with you guys three weeks in a row at the 7.30 and 10 masses. So I don't know what you did to deserve this, but it's time to repent. One of the most beautiful, authentic, and heartfelt Catholic prayers that's ever been conceived, I think, in the history of our church came from St. Augustine. Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. That is a special prayer. Why? Well, because it's so honest. St. Augustine was saved because he was always willing to seek the truth of where he was at, even when it was separated from where he knew he should be. And that, that prayer teaches us that as long as we're always honest with God in our life about what he asks of us and where we are, he can find us in any situation. So today's readings, the main focus is on repentance. That word kept coming up over and over, so I wanted to focus on what does repentance really mean for us as Catholics in our traditions. The first homily that Peter preached after the resurrection when he went out, first thing he did was point his finger at the Jews and said, you help put the Messiah to death. Therefore, repent and be converted that your sins may be wiped away. And we see why that is. Because in the gospel right after that, which happened obviously before this scene, the disciples were all afraid, right? They were in this dark room, locked away. And that's an image of what sin does to us. They all fled Christ, and they were afraid of the world. They were locked in this dark place alone. And Christ appeared right there in the heart of them, right in the midst of them, to save them from their sin right there. And what he says to them at that point is, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to all the nations. And that's exactly what St. Peter went out to do, preach the gospel of repentance. And that shows us that that's one key element of the Catholic faith. We are called to carry forth the gospel of repentance wherever the gospel is proclaimed, to tell everybody what terrible sinners they are. Like, that's our job. We should own it, be proud of it. No, not that, that much. But it is to call people to the truth, to call people to the truth of who Christ is and who we are as human beings in relation to him in order that his salvation might be effected in us. Now, repentance really has three principal characteristics. It's acknowledge, ask, and experience. And that's what I want to break down in, in today's homily. Acknowledging our sins, asking for forgiveness, so that we can experience Christ saving us where we're at. And St. Augustine, he's, he's a perfect example of this. Because for most of his life, even though he came from a Catholic family, he refused to acknowledge the truth of the gospel and the truth of his sin. And so even though he was in the Catholic milieu, he rejected the faith and he went wandering a lot into other philosophies and theologies. But when he finally got to the point where he acknowledged the truth of the gospel, acknowledged the truth of Christ, he wasn't ready to ask for forgiveness. That's where you get that, give me chastity, but not yet. And little by little, as he wrestled, first he came to understand the truth, but he wasn't ready to accept it. But you can't remain in the truth for long without it grappling with you. And in that grappling, he realized that 
he needed to give his life over to Christ and to his gospel. And so at one point he started to truly ask and beg God for the grace. But the problem was is he'd been committing sins for so long of the flesh, he couldn't break free. He said he was, he was trapped to this earth with like an iron chain. He didn't know how to get out of it. And so he began begging God every day to help him in his situation. And at one point in, the, in a, a free gift of grace when he's sitting in a garden praying, he heard the voice of God speaking to him and the grace to break free of a life of sin right in the midst of that. So it began with first acknowledging, then asking, then finally experiencing the gift of freedom from Christ. A modern example of this is Milo Yiannopoulos. If you don't know him, he's a very infamous, controversial social and political commentator and writer. And he said that he struggled with same-sex attraction his entire life. He grew up in a Catholic family, but he ne never accepted the faith. And at one point, he just he rejected everything and got, went really deep into the world, multiple relationships. But like five years ago or so, he said he came to acknowledge the truth. He said, I believe every single thing that the Catholic Church teaches and preaches and has preserved since the coming of Christ. He goes, I have no qualm with anything, but I'm not ready to follow it. And he even went further and he, he entered into a sort of union, a marriage union with another gentleman. And again, never denying the faith, acknowledging the truth, but saying, I just, I can't live it right now. Give me chastity, but not yet. Well, just recently, like the last year, he had a profound conversion experience. And he, he finally decided he needed to ask God's forgiveness where he was and ask for the grace to live a celibate life. And he said when he did that, he experienced Christ in such a way that now for the first time he's living and dedicating himself to a life of chastity. Right, so repentance is a process. And it begins with acknowledging, just living in the truth of the gospel of ourselves and then slowly with the grace of Christ coming to a deeper and deeper conversion. So it all begins though with acknowledging our sins. That's the first step. And I think that's the hardest step, is coming to terms with the truth. So I, you know, one couple, they told me, they'd married for 40 years, and they said that they made a promise to each other when they got married, that they'd always tell each other the truth. And he said, that, that promise has caused more difficulty in our relationship than anything else. Like, honey, do I look good in this dress? Yes. No, ah, you know, it's like that, that struggle there. But he said, because they always promised to tell each other the truth, they always trusted each other. And their dialogue was always from the heart. So it's a hard thing to do to live in the truth for everyone. We all know that in our relationships. And it's difficult with Christ too. But that's the beginning of repentance. In our times, it seems that we've lost this understanding and this need for repentance to turn away from my sins. And I think that becomes from what something what uh, St. Pope John, St. Pope Paul VI said after Vatican Council, Second Vatican Council, it's like the 1970s, says, the real sin of our times is that we've lost the sense of sin. Sin has become so common every day that we no longer appreciate its effects. There's so many broken homes, it's almost become the norm. Right? Pornography is just everywhere, so we don't realize the problem. Premarital relations, contraceptives, divorce, all that shit, it's just around us. 
You guys are doing an incredible job. Look at how filled up the church is. Third week of Easter, all right? That, that's a big deal. But right now, it's, uh, the bishops got together in like 1912 and said, we have a really big problem. Only 12% of Catholics aren't going to Mass on Sundays. We don't know what they're doing. How can we get them back? You know what the stats are today? 78% of Catholics don't go to Mass on Sundays. That just, it becomes the norm. And that's why we've kind of lost the sense of sin. And the difficulty is when we lose the sense of sin, of right and wrong, we don't feel the need to acknowledge where we're falling short. And when we don't acknowledge that, we don't ask for repentance. And when we don't ask for repent our forgiveness, Jesus Christ can't respond to us. Problem is, where are we taking our sins? It's interesting that as soon as confession and the church kind of fell off in the 20th century, you know what took its place? Psychiatry. And psychiatry is good. It, does a, it offers a lot of going into the hard, deeper roots of problems and whatnot. I wouldn't know. I don't do it personally. After five years, they gave up on me, so I stopped going. But as soon as the church became irrelevant, psychiatry took its place. And Sigmund Freud, who was the father of psychiatry, said the principal problem of almost all the clients I've been seeing for over 50 years has been guilt. They didn't know what to do with what they perceived as a sin. One, one time I was, when I was a deacon, I was in Oregon, and in the Sundays when I'd go work at a parish, I'd always go to this, uh, this little um, cafe, and I'd have coffee and breakfast before I went in. And I got to know this barista who was there every, every Sunday. And she didn't have any faith. She'd never, you know, grew up Christian or anything like that. But she had a lot of trauma in her life and in her heart and things that she'd done in the past and things done to her. And she said something to me I've never forgotten. She said, I went to counseling for five years. And my experience of it was like they would open me up like a surgeon, show me all the problems within me. All the, all the sins I'd done and all the, all the things that other people had failed me, all the ways that I was broken inside. And then they'd send me on their way. Said, I never found an answer to my brokenness. So she was willing to acknowledge that there were things that were wrong in her life, but she didn't know who to ask. That's why the next step is always to bring it to Jesus Christ. He's the answer once we acknowledge the problems. Now, this is really important for us to understand is that repentance doesn't look the same for all of us. There's a lot of different people in this church at a lot of different stages in your life. And to be a good practicing Catholic does not look the same for every single person. There are some similarities, but we're all at a different stage, right? It's like one comedian said, he, I was like this, he said, you know they say you shouldn't, he, you shouldn't beat your children. Now, you shouldn't beat most children. Some children, that's the only way that they learn anything. He's like, whenever my daughter does something wrong, I all I have to do is look at her and say, Kimmy, I'm really disappointed in you. And she'll get so sad that she'll go punish herself. You know, that's all it takes. He goes, I can't do that with my boys. I look at Donovan. I'm really disappointed for what you did. He'll just roll his eyes at me and be like, if that's disappointing to you, wait till you find out all the other stuff I did. All right? You're going to have a heart attack. Each child's different, right? They all, some are too hard on themselves, some are too soft. 
They won't, they won't listen to anything. It's the same thing for a priest. So I could say to you guys, I could stand up and say, hey, I, some of you missed Mass last Sunday or the last eight months of Sundays. I'm really disappointed in you. I'm going to have one person out here who's immediately going to think about, oh my gosh, 15 years ago, I missed a holy day of obligation in the middle of the week. I don't think I ever confessed that. Am I in mortal sin? Can I even receive Holy Communion? And just go start deeper and deeper into their minds. At the same time, I'm going to have someone else sitting right next to them thinking, Father, if you're disappointed in me for missing Mass on Sunday, you're going to be really upset when you find out what I was doing on Saturday night to make me miss Mass on Sunday. But you're not going to find out because I'm not going to go to confession. Right? Presumption on one hand, scrupulosity on the other. Everybody's in a different place. Some Catholics are too focused on rules. We can get too focused on sin. And we forget about the goal of repentance, which is the experience and relationship with Christ. That's always the goal of conversion. So the general rule, I think, is just safe to follow as a blanket rule. Once you're not battling with mortal sins, which means you know what mortal sins are, Ten Commandments, and once it's no longer a struggle with mortal sin, your focus should be on developing your relationship with Christ. Experiencing Him more and more in your life, growing in faith and intimacy. If, on the other hand, other Catholics need to heed the word and warning of St. John in the, in the second reading we heard. The way we be are sure that we know Christ is to keep his commandments. Those who say, I know him, but do not keep his commandments are liars. And the truth is not in them. So what he's saying is that the rules of the faith, the commandments, are not extrinsic to love. I show my love for God by following His commandments. And what that also says is that I don't lead my relationship with Christ. God rules me. God leads me. Remember, the, the essence of original sin is deciding for ourselves what is right and what is wrong. That's in every single one of us. So by making sure I'm always following the commandments of God, what I'm saying is that you are the one who leads me. And that takes honesty. So one thing you can do, just like a first step, do you know the difference between a venial sin and mortal sin, as talked about in Scripture in the, in the traditions of our church? And once you look at that and analyze that and be like, hey, I'm good, you don't got to worry about it anymore. And in fact, the devil will go to those who are already living in a state of grace, and the way that he moves them away from Christ is by filling their minds with anxiety and scrupulosity and making them always feel terrible about themselves. The way that the devil works on someone who isn't in a state of grace, who isn't following the commandments, is he tries to numb their conscience and say, you're just good the way you are. You don't need to change. Right? You don't need to convert your life. That's why true conversion begins with acknowledging. Acknowledging who God is and who I am in the midst of that. In truth, and then asking little by little for the grace to change my life so that I can experience Christ in the midst of it. And that's a process. The goal of repentance is always the experience of Jesus Christ. It's not about the sin. 
It's about the one who saves us in the midst of the sin. That's why one last word for those who, it's such a beautiful thing to see people go into confession. Like constantly, it's, it's a really, it's inspiring. And it's inspiring other Catholics to go to confession more. But if, if anyone is ever caught up in mortal sin, where you're, you're really fighting against the sin and you fall, then you feel really bad about yourself, you go to confession, you feel good, then you leave, then you fall again, and you feel terrible, you can kind of get in a cycle that way. One thing you should do to help is if you commit a grave sin that you know is wrong, instead of running straight to confession, this is Father Nathan telling you not to go to confession after you sin, this makes up for all the times I tell you to go to confession, all right, balancing it out. The best thing you could do is just sit with the Lord. Go to adoration. Go to a quiet place. Imagine where you are. See yourself in the dark room like the apostles were. And see Christ coming to you right there in that place of your darkness. Because the last thing that God wants us to do is save ourselves. And that's the trap we can get into. Like, I need to get myself perfect so that I can be in relationship with God. The more I experience Christ coming to me in the very place where I can't save myself, where I need His grace to get me out of this dark pit, that's when everything in my life is redeemed. And now all that begins with His truth. That's why the most important virtue is to live in the truth. And one man told me recently, no, it wasn't actually recently, it was a while ago, but he said what really converted him in his faith is when he heard the priest telling him that he shouldn't receive Holy Communion if he had committed certain sins. He said, for the longest time I was just going to church and I didn't realize that there were certain sins that would separate me from Christ. And so I just received communion all the time. He goes, but after the priest said that, my first response was, well, whatever, I'm just gonna keep receiving communion. And then at one point he said, I at least, I'm not ready to give up my sin in my life. And I'm not ready to go to confession yet. But I'll at least cross my arms. And he made the resolution, at least I'm not going to receive Holy Communion until this is dealt with. And he said for a long time, all he did, his first step was just, I'm going to cross my arms when I know I need to go to confession. And he said doing that for extended amount of time made him understand the actions in his life separating him from Christ and that he had to make a real choice between the life he was living and the grace of Jesus Christ. And little by little, he finally received the grace that he needed to go to confession and then receive Holy Communion again. But that's a process. And it all begins with that truth and acknowledgement. That's what's so beautiful. All we have to do to experience Christ is to be honest, even if it's give me chastity, but not yet. That's honesty. And that's a start. Acknowledge the truth of the commandments and acknowledge where you stand in the midst of that. Ask him to forgive me. And then little by little, I can experience Christ coming into my life and transforming everything in me into holy communion. And that's what repentance is all about in the end.